Welcome to Accent on Mercy Alumni, brought to you by the Alumni Office at Mercy High School, Farmington Hills, Michigan. I'm your host, Associate Principal Larry Baker. Today's guest on Accent on Mercy Alumni is Anna Amato, class of 1975. Anna is the founder and CEO of EdTech Central, LLC, a specialized educational management firm located in southeast region of Michigan, just outside of Detroit. She worked in various companies and industries prior to creating EdTech in 1994, which helped to shape both her company and her beliefs on how they can best serve the educational needs of children, youth, and families, which historically have been underserved in those communities. Anna earned her bachelor's degree from Central Michigan University, her master's in educational leadership, at Eastern University, and most recently her doctorate in values-driven leadership from Benedictine University's College of Business. At Mercy High School, she participated in a wide variety of activities and clubs, while in general focused on two seemingly contradictory interests, art and mathematics. When taking a break from work and research activities, Anna enjoys golfing, playing, listening to music, drawing, calligraphy, billiards, boating on local rivers and the Great Lakes, among other things, and also lounging with her cats and a good book. Anna, it's so nice to catch up with you. Uh, welcome to Accent and Mercy Alumni. Oh, thank you, Larry. Thank you so much for inviting me to participate in this. Well, please tell us about the schools that EdTech Central serves and the kind of uh, programs that you you offer to uh, improve education in these underserved communities. Sure, sure. Um, well, EdTech Central, our core services are for students who are uh, very, very specialized in their needs and that they're either incarcerated in residential treatment centers for juvenile delinquents or at risk um, and otherwise neglected. Or in one of our high schools, we serve students who have gone back and forth through high school, dropped out, or you know, haven't quite connected and have made the decision to come back and get that high school diploma, but in many ways um, know that they, they haven't made it in their own high school or they're afraid to go to their own high school. And so they come to our school and we help them complete that diploma. So it's highly personalized instruction. So those are the schools that, that we serve directly. Um, and they're charter schools, which has been an educational option in Michigan since 1994. Um, relative to other schools we help, so other people will come to me over the years and now the company with special needs of their own if they already have a charter school or they're thinking about starting a charter school or they need help during a reauthorization process, which you know might be their sponsor coming in and reviewing them to see if they can keep their school open. So we have um, a few clients in that area as well that we help. So, you know, distinctly two kinds of schools that we serve. Oh, that's really interesting. I'm very curious as to how uh, your journey led you to EdTech, how you arrived at that idea of of forming it, and um, how you actually went about founding this project this uh, firm? Um, it's, uh, geez, Larry, that question, when I get asked that question, if I'm out and about and I meet people, 
probably has a two or three hour answer. <laughs> um, <Well. laughs> maybe somebody, we could yeah. maybe we could look for the elevator answer. <laughs> I, I, uh, I do I do have an elevator answer. Uh, <laughs> and while my career, I started off as a teacher. I then moved into the business world. Of, of corporate America through the office furniture industry and back into the educational world. And there's many stories about how all of that happened. Um, once I was back in the education world, at a time politically and historically, charter schools were coming about and, and concepts of education reform, not just here in Detroit, but around the country, were taking place. Uh, you know, two things happened. You know, I ran into some, I was in the right place at the right time in connecting to others. And things presented themselves where pe- other people had needs and I had the time to help them. So, um, and I think this is probably true of a lot of entrepreneurs in that, you know, it didn't come out of college saying, oh, I want to start charter schools. The idea didn't even exist. Right. And, and so um, I reacted to a profound need that presented itself about something I was already very passionate about. And for me, a little bit later in my life, so it, I wasn't young and naive. I just knew I knew how to get things done. Now, I didn't know how to get this all done, so I had to learn it. Right. Um, <laughs> and that is sort of kind of how I do things anyway, since I was a little kid. You know, I'd find an interest in something. I'd get that book. I'd try it out. I'd ask for the books. When I was older, I'd buy the books um, or I'd join the club or I would do whatever. And, and so really my company came about based on need. Um no business plan did I write up or anything like that. I just started helping people. And the business evolved around me with the help of everyone that came around me as it grew. That's, uh, that's really exciting to hear about, especially since you did uh, find it at, at, at a more mature time in your life. Um, and it sounds like you're really filling a valuable niche with that company. Uh, something got jumped out in your in your self-description uh, to me, and that was your continued interest in drawing and calligraphy. And then you also mentioned that while in school, you were interested in art. And I couldn't help but think if you were in the class of 1975, that meant you had some experiences with Sister Ignatius. If you do, please share. Okay. Um, I love this question because I have to say that Sister Mary Ignatius had the most profound effect on me as a young student um, at Mercy High School. Um, so my interest in art started when I was very little, and I had this sort of contradictory interest in mathematics. Um, and it's something that I had in common with my father, interest in math and science, uh, but mostly math. And this interest in art, though, I didn't know he had that until I was out of college, actually, which is another story. And at Mercy, I discovered a, um, a rigor and seriousness and an in-depth program around art that I think, you know, one would be hard-pressed to find anywhere, not just in Michigan, but around the country. So um, once I dove in in ninth grade, I knew art was a, a was just something I truly wanted to study. And in fact, it led my decision to study art and become an art educator Kind of because I wasn't really sure what other things I could do with that, with that passion of wanting of drawing. But that led me to be to study art education, which led me, you know, to become a teacher. Um, and that would never have happened but for Sister Mary Ignatius. 
But the most important things I learned from her during that time, um, kind of the turbulent 70s, I think, society, speaking from a societal viewpoint, is she was always having us self-consider this concept of humility and that um, by the time I was a senior, there were only 11 young women in my class because art's a serious endeavor at Mercy. Um, in fact, that year, I, I, 10 out of the 11 had our portfolios accepted to the National Scholastics that year. Wow. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. Most people following Art at Mercy know that that was just a regular, normal, not just occurrence, but expectation of Sister Mary Ignatius. So we would always begin our class with a prayer, a small circle around her. And, and she was very, a big stickler on praying with your hands not folded and your fingers not all clasped, but, but, but praying how you learned when you're a small child. And when, when we did that, of course, she could see our fingernails. And if she saw uh, nail polish, she would, after the prayer, comment in, in such a gentle but powerful way. So I know that you young ladies are probably thinking about young boys, but there'll be plenty of time for that. Um, not just after high school, but after college too. And so time spent on things like perhaps painting one nails is probably time best, better spent on your studies and your academic endeavors. <laughs> and so it was little encouragements or reminders of what was important in life that by virtue of having studied under her for four years were just these little nuggets that I, I do believe shaped a lot of how I view approaching anything in life. That's, that's wonderful to hear. She was such a tremendous person. And even as a young, impressionable teacher who wasn't actually in her class, she made a great impression on me and, and helped guide me as, as, as well. I'm, I'm so glad you, you shared those comments. But also before we conclude, uh, please indulge me with any other memories of Mercy from the 70s that you care to share. Okay. Um, I really thought about this question and, you know, what made the 70s so unique? And it's, for me, it seemed to be that bridge between the turbulent 60s, really, and the and the kind of mixed up, not quite sure where people were going in the 70s. To, and then you get to the 80s and 90s and things are quite different. You know, I remember JFK's assassination because I was about six, but I really remember mm-hmm. Robert Kennedy's assassination because I was older and that, and, and I remember writing a poem about it. And our heroes were people like Martin Luther King and Mahatma Gandhi. And also for me in my decisions, Christian decisions and actions class, I got to pick my prophets, you know, someone named George Harrison who had really incredible lyrics in his, in his songwriting. So, Mm -hmm. so we were, you know, it was a political time in a way, I think, um, different from the sixties where that was hitting people in college. Right. And the I remember the politics of the sixties because it was on TV and we started to see it. We knew about it and we were a sort of part of being the, I, I would think the bottom of the baby boom age and, mm-hmm. and little mini hippies in our own mind. But it was in high school where we started to take up some of those things in, in our minds and our thoughts and in our ideas. And so we, we wanted to help the poor, which is one of those, you know, strong mercy values, but we wanted to do it in political ways. And so different things our clubs did or different things we talked about, and different things we involved ourselves in 
had to do more with politics. We, we, we wore MIA bracelets and we had, um, you know, fundraisers around those kinds of issues and, and things. And, and I also think it was probably that 70s was the first time that a huge number of women went off to college. And not that no women went off to college before then, but just a huge number went off <clears throat> then. Um, and I just remember most of my girlfriends just living up to that mercy expectation. 99% are going to go on to college. And that was still true. But but more were going and more were going to be not, you know, going to be teachers, nurses and things that were more traditional. But then many were going to be <clears throat> engineers and lawyers and doctors in, in much greater numbers, I think. Um, now, I would have to check my, my beliefs with the data, but, but I have a sense of that that was what was going on at the time. Well, from my recollection in the 70s, and I joined the school right after you graduated in 1975, uh, you're spot on. That was a wonderful summary. And I'm so glad that um, you shared all you did about EdTech and Sister Ignatius, Mercy. It's been a real pleasure talking to you, Anna. Well, thank you, Larry. It's been a pleasure having a discussion with you. And, and, and truly, but for mercy, I would not be doing anything I'm doing in life right now. And I'm just so very grateful for having had that opportunity. Music on Accent on Mercy Alumni is performed by concert pianist Julia Siciliano, class of 2001.